Hello, and welcome to Weekly Wholesome Words with Pastor Josh Grilecki of Twin Cities Grace Fellowship. Join Pastor Josh each week as he gives further insight into God's Word. Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in and listening to this week's episode of Weekly Wholesome Words. We're going to get right into it. We are talking about the issue of sonship responsibility. Again, the state and condition of being a son, uh, a state and condition that we receive when we trust the gospel of Christ and that position that God grants us by his grace is one that has a natural component of responsibility and we've taken a look that our new identity being dead to sin and alive unto God grants us the freedom to serve God and part of that service and part of that freedom therefore has attached to it responsibility Again, God is dealing with us as sons and daughters. He is no longer dealing with us as children, but as adults. And a part of dealing with us as adults, adults is freedom with responsibility and consequences. And what I want to, what we're doing now is just, and what we left off doing last week is taking a look at passages that involve this responsibility concept, this responsibility. Uh, component to being a son of God. And one of the best ways to understand that there is responsibility, uh, at least in my understanding, comes right out of Romans chapter 6. He just gets done stating that we need to reckon ourselves dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And then he comes along and says, and, and that was... Uh, our identity dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord, we have, by God's grace, through the Spirit baptizing us into Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. However, after that, in verse 12, he says, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should obey in the lusts thereof. And that's an exhortation upon the one who has the new identity now to upon his new identity let not sin therefore reign and there's two aspects one of reckoning your new identity but in your reckoning letting not sin reign in your mortal body neither yield you neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin but yield ye your members as instruments of righteousness as those that are alive unto God. And we yield. So there's the issue of reckon, let not, and yield. There's three issues there um, involved in our new identity and what, what the ability from our new identity of responsibility. And that responsibility increases as you receive more information and that responsibility increases in regards to our conformity to the image of Christ. And we saw a passage last time, just by way of review, of Paul talks about um, fleeing fornication and to glorify God in our body and our spirit. As he says in 1 Corinthians 6, and he says verse 19, we'll back up verse 18, flee fornication, every sin that a man doeth, is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, 
which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. And so the issue of us being not our own and our body being the temple of the Holy Ghost that we have of God. And verse 20, for ye are bought with a price. Those are the things that ought to effectually work in us as well as other things that he's already stated that should motivate us and work in us to the conclusion here in verse 20. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. In the way in which we're going to glorify God in our body and in our spirit is the what he's already told us to participate in. Fleeing fornication and not being joined to an harlot. Specifically, that we have the capacity to restrain fornication based upon this information. Let's look at another one. Uh, just over in chapter 7, 1 Corinthians chapter 7. What I want you to see here as he talks about marriage, he's going to bring up the issue of one who um, has a virgin. Now, we're not going to get into all that context of what that means. I want you to see the responsibility component uh, in this passage. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, look at verse 37. It says, Nevertheless, he that standeth steadfast in his heart, having no necessity, but hath power over his own will, and hath so decreed in his heart that he will keep his virgin, doeth well. So then he that giveth her in marriage doeth well. But he that giveth her not in marriage doeth better. And what I want you to see is, again, this is going to be based upon things that Paul has already said. Every action or every responsible component that we are to participate in comes from our edification. It comes from God edifying us in regards to conforming us to the image of Christ. And when he edifies us, we have the responsibility to participate in what we've learned. And Paul, God through Paul, is edifying us here in this passage. And it results in us doing something if we fall under this category. And notice what he says here in verse 37. Nevertheless, he that standeth steadfast in his heart, having no necessity, but hath power over his own will. And that's a that's an inner man issue based upon what Paul said. However, he goes on to explain, verse 37, keep his virgin doeth well. So there's an inner man issue of his heart, of his will. Again, he says he has so decreed in his heart that he will keep his virgin is an inner man issue leading to outward doing but the outward doing is not of the flesh and it is a part of his position as a son the responsible aspect of his position as a son verse 38 so then he that giveth her in marriage doeth well but he that giveth her not in marriage doeth better and this Involved in this responsible aspect of being a son and daughter of God has built into it good and better or well and better. There's various levels of decision-making capacity of good, better, and best. And therefore, that ought to show us the responsibility is increased. The responsibility has as a part of its makeup 
not just one standard of decision, but freedom to make better decisions than what we would normally do, and God's Word provides for that very thing. Come with me to another passage, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and let's pick it up here in verse 30. He's talking about the resurrection, but now he's going to talk about, um, involved in the resurrection, he's, he's going to talk about the issue of sufferings, and that sufferings really have no advantage if there is no resurrection from the dead, because the suffering is going to work for Paul glory, but that glory is only had if there's resurrection. Verse 30, and why stand we in jeopardy every hour? I protest by your rejoicing, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord. I die daily. If after the matter of men, I have fought with beasts at Ephesus, what advantage it, what advantage is it me if the dead rise not? Let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. First of all, I want you to see that Paul's coming along and his logic is one of if there's no resurrection from the dead and I am suffering, if I'm dying daily, there's no advantage. Therefore, our thinking and our conduct should be consistent with let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. Let us participate in what the world views as glory on this earth. Let us eat and drink. Let us live the way in which we want. Because tomorrow we die and it's going to be all over. But Paul's going to come along and say, verse 33, Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. Now what I want you to see is the inward component leading to an outward component. An inward edification leading to conduct and behavior. Here he's saying in the negative, evil communications. That's the... That's words affecting the inner man, corrupting the manners, corrupting the conduct and behavior. So in other words, if there's no resurrection from the dead, then there's no advantage for the Apostle Paul in suffering. Therefore, why suffer? Why not, as the Corinthians were in 1 Corinthians 4, reign as kings on this earth? But Paul's going to come along and say, verse 34, Awake to righteousness, and sin not, for some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. Again, it's going to be the knowledge of God edifying us that is supposed to awake us to righteousness, awake us to righteous living. And one, that righteous living that's coming from the knowledge of God is not of the flesh, it's of the knowledge of God. And two, it is the natural outlet this righteous living is the natural outlet of the knowledge of God affecting our inner man. Come with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. And look at verse 1 with me. Notice the flat out statement that we work together with God. Verse 1. We then as workers together with him beseech you also that ye receive not the grace of God in vain. We are supposed to work together. There's the responsibility that we have how he states it here is we are as workers together with him so he is doing some work and we get to work with him look at verse 14 
And as he explains here to the Corinthians that they are unequally yoked together with unbelievers, he's going to exhort them on the holiness based upon what they've received. Look at verse 14 of 2 Corinthians 6. Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness, and what concord hath Christ with Belial, or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel, and what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? Now notice, he's saying, don't be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Why? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, because God, you're the temple of living God, and God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be your God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them. There's your responsible response and action to what God has provided us. Be ye separate, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord. And touch not the unclean, un, unclean thing, and I will receive you. And I will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Notice the conclusion in verse 1 of chapter 7. Having therefore these promises, having these promises, therefore, he's going to go on to say, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Your responsible, positive response is based upon God acting on your behalf. Therefore, it is a sonship responsibility. It is in the state and condition of being a son that was granted to us by God's grace. And by it, we are responsible for some things. And now you're, we're starting to see that in these passages. Let's look at one more. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and look at verse 8 through 15. He's talking about the issue of giving here and why basically motivating us to give. He says, And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. As is written, he hath dispersed abroad, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness remaineth forever. That's a practical righteousness. Now verse 10, Now he that ministereth seed to the sower both minister bread for your food and multiply your seed sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causeth through us thanksgiving to God, for the administration of this service not only supplieth the want of the saints, but is abundant also by many thanksgiving givings unto God, while as by the experiment of this ministration they glorify God for your professed subjection unto the gospel of Christ, and for your liberal distribution unto them and unto all men, and by their prayer for you, which long after you for the exceeding grace of God in you. Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. Now, he goes on and explains that it's going to increase the fruits of your righteousness by giving, by liberally giving in, in this experiment that Paul's talking about. And the giving and the distribution and the supplying of the want of the saints is motivated by the grace of God producing thanksgiving in others. And therefore, it's a responsible act of the doctrine working in them which when Paul looks at this giving by the saints based upon the doctrine working in them, 
look at who he says is actually producing the gift of giving. Verse 15, thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. Wait a minute, isn't it the saints giving? It is the saints responsibly giving, but because it's God working in them, thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. And so, again, folks, all I'm trying to show you is it's very simple. That one today in this dispensation of grace in which we live, there is responsibility. It is responsibility not produced and conduct not produced of the flesh. And it's not of the flesh because it is produced by God's grace through the words on the page. In other words, the way in which our sanctification and our edification is going to take place is God providing us knowledge that by that knowledge and looking at that knowledge, it's going to be different kinds of knowledge. It's going to be wisdom or justice or judgments or equity. And when we learn that knowledge in whatever form that it's in, if it is wisdom, justice, judgment, equity, it is going to demand that we practically and responsibly put it into practice. And therefore, our responsibility is generated from God's grace. Now, folks, I know these are just a few examples, but go through all of Paul's epistles. The practical things that we are involved in are not generated from our own thoughts, not generated from who we are in and of ourselves. They are generated by the sound doctrine that Paul teaches. All of the works that he brings up, all the responsible aspects that he brings up are produced by the sound doctrine that ought to be working effectually in us. Well, I hope you got something out of these brief two lessons, brief two snippets of teaching regarding sonship responsibility. If you'd like to know more, we are going to be going through Romans chapter 8 in the weeks to come at Twin Seas Grace Fellowship. Join us there or listen to the messages on our website or through our YouTube channel to get more of what sonship responsibility is all about. Until next time, look up. Thanks for joining Pastor Josh for this week's episode of Weekly Wholesome Words. Join him next week for another look into God's Word. Until next time, look up.